Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Young Anglicans podcast. The Young Anglicans podcast is a place for conversation and discussion about ministry to teenagers through the lens of Anglicanism. It's hosted by me, Andrew Unger, and me, Eric Overholt. We're both real-life Anglican youth pastors who want to see young people find and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. We're glad you're with us. So, Andrew, um, in our last podcast, uh, we're not going to throw out a sponsor this time. Uh, Check out the Y Summit. It's awesome. We talked about it in our last podcast. It's still in mid-January. You're going to love it. Take your students. It's a great way to, like, talk about the value of life and teach about the value of life. Um, Yeah, and talk about what it means to advocate for life, uh, not just... Um, for the unborn, but for all of life. So it's going to be awesome. Check it out and um, take your students. You just said so, you weren't going to do it, and then you did it. I did, didn't I? That's uh, okay. It's all right. It, yeah. it, it made it quick. Yeah. Um, so um, I, we, we're going to continue uh, our conversation or kind of loop back around to the conversation we were having in our last podcast. Uh, we were talking about beauty and beauty as this objective reality and beauty as uh, God, uh, the way I like to put it, uh, God having a 100% monopoly on beauty. Mm. Um, all beautiful things uh, come from God. And and so, but I wanted to talk a little, we did what we didn't really get into much. We did a little, but we didn't get into much in that last episode about the kind of how now shall we live aspect of it. If, if this is what beauty is and beauty is this like, um, great thing that God has given us to point us back to him. Yeah. Um, how can we, how can we employ beauty? How can we turn our, turn the hearts of students to toward beautiful things or, you know, like what, what can, how can this affect me and change the way I might teach a lesson in my youth group or do something in youth group? Um, and I know you've, you've shared with me over the years, some really cool things that you have done. Perhaps you could talk about some of that, but let's just talk about that aspect of, th- of things, like getting practical with this idea. Yeah. yeah, so we talked last episode a bit about um, the process of going to look for beauty, right? Like like finding things, being curious. So I think even before whatever of this you do, I think there's a real value to um, encouraging students to be curious and inquisitive, to ask questions um, when they encounter something that is either different than what they like or hard. Um, and oftentimes really beautiful things are initially hard. Um, it all trying to encourage, ask questions about things and even low level questions. So there was, um, a few weeks ago we had a a poetry night. So sometimes we do music night, um, where we talk about songs, but a, a few weeks ago we did a poetry night where one of my leaders, um, sort of writes poetry. He's been published a few times. Um, wow. He's really interested in poetry. Um, and uh, he leads the students in sort of a poetry assessment night. And one of the things we did is um, he, he gave us three poems. He read through all of them. He, he chose ones that would be sort of good and thematically related. These, and these, were, said, not, these were not ones that he had written. These were just right, no, these great were poems, poems. That, that he, he brought okay. in. Um, and, and what he encouraged everybody to do, he split us into groups um, of, and, and there were three poems. He gave each group two of the three, and he said, just start writing down observations. There is no observation too simple. 
there is no like the observation could be this one has shorter lines this one has full sentences this one rhymes this one has no meter i mean just start and just write out tons of observations um and it was that we, we didn't even get into he didn't then encourage us like from there take a next step and talk about meaning there was just in the process of just listing out all those super surface level observations meaning started to come out mm. um and so you know some of the younger students have a hard time with that and some of the younger students are like this one was dumb and i hated it um that's my <laughs> observation <laughs> but they even even still as you as you go into any piece of art with an inquisitive nature and almost the freedom to say like don't try and don't shoot for really insightful insights like just shoot for i noticed this i noticed that i mean to some degree that's a thing we can encourage kids with scripture as well right like just start with yeah what do you notice um that's the inductive bible study starting point right um but i think there's something so valuable for inquisitiveness giving them permission to be confused giving them permission Mm -hmm to not get it, quote unquote, at first. Um, But starting with that inquisitive nature is such a great starting point. Um, Because even if for the first, even if they don't even like it at the end, even if something you found really beautiful, they didn't quite get, we're training them to follow Jesus in a certain way, not to get to the end point. And so a lot of what we do at youth group might be just introducing patterns and habits and methods and postures Mm -hmm. that even if that night they don't come away with like, I had this great insight, they did have an experience where they started to do the work of mining for beauty in beautiful things, Um, Mm -hmm. which actually leads to another, I think a second really important point is um, have experts pick good things, like pick beautiful things mm-hmm. and do your work finding stuff that's really high quality mm-hmm. um, and finding things that are accessible. I mean, there's a lot of work that gets done ahead of time that is really valuable when you're trying to bring this idea of beauty to youth group. Um, there's a lot of really good work that needs to be done in terms of picking good source material. Um, yeah, right. So, but I, I think there's, I think to me, there's still like a step missing or something, um, because, um, goodness, truth, and beauty can all be ends in and of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, I know a number of, I, as, as a former classical musician, like I knew a number of people for whom, uh, beautiful classical music was the end, right? That wasn't, yeah. I'm not, this isn't taking me transcending me into something higher and beyond itself. Um, it is, it is just what it is. And, and that seems to me something that we have to be careful of actually as, as because we're trying to point students and people in general, we're trying to point, point students to God. And this is, this is supposed to be a, a way that God reveals himself to us in goodness, truth, and beauty. Um, but those things can't ever become the end lest they become idols in and of themselves. Yeah. And so, so talk about, um, 
how do we avoid that without without the reductive like here's what this poem means hmm. and don't you see Jesus in it now yeah. uh, because because that that doesn't help that now we've just stripped the beauty away and turned it either into truth or or turned it turned it into something that it's not uh, because we're worried that it's not going to take students all the way to the divine. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Um, so there's the like ham-fisted clubbing them over the head with like, don't forget about God. All yeah. beauty is God's. <laughs> this is participating in God's beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just kind of say that. Um, you can do a whole lesson on it and assume it sticks. But I think a more effective way is, man, there's so many things about <laughs> youth ministry that I feel like, I'm trying to always keep them in the front of my head, but there's stuff that like have to be part of your culture and part of your practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, that you want to be the kind of place where, where they recognize that, um, that this, they're sort of encultured into moving beyond just the beauty of the thing into the, the beautiful one. Um, now I think as Anglicans, we have a nice built in, system the, the same way that i think anglicans have a nice built-in system for rule of life um i think we recognize that beautiful things point us to god in that we're churches that by and large recognize beauty as an aesthetic value in worship as a means by which to point us to god in intangible ways right beauty functions a little bit different than truth in that a painting that could direct you to god but that could be summarized with a paragraph isn't a very good painting. Right. Uh, if it can be easily summarized, if, if, if you can easily put it into words, you failed. Um, and so I think there has to be something about bringing it up. Um, you know, there's a tendency and I often have a very visceral reaction Anytime someone introduces their new big idea or their paradigm for youth ministry and they're like, and you need to hammer this home every single week and it's got to become the DNA of your youth group. And there's just too many of those things that need to yeah. become the quote unquote DNA of your youth group. Right. Um, but I think finding ways to reiterate it, um, finding ways whenever, you know, you maybe do one lesson on it and then every time you're doing some sort of beautiful assessment, anytime you're trying to do some sort of look for beauty um you just do a reminder you sort of bring that up you don't need to make it a whole thing um you can model it by yeah modeling is discussions yeah um and again not in a ham-fisted way where like you do the the jesus juke at the end and you're like but you know who's the most beautiful one (laughs) um yeah but i also i also think as as you're talking about this i'm also thinking a lot about how uh, beauty like either is an ethos or creates. And I think it creates an ethos, right? Mm-hmm. So um, like I, it's why I would have the, I would have trouble just meeting, having youth group in some like bare, boring, fluorescent light lit room. Yeah. Uh, because a space like that, when you walk into it, it, because it is not beautiful, right? right. It's not beautiful. Uh, it it doesn't it doesn't create it does. There's there's not this unspoken sense of oh now this is a time for us to do something meaningful or or 
good right. or whatever. But when you come in and it's and it's lit well and maybe lit warmly or it's lit in a certain way mm-hmm. that, that the furniture is arranged in a certain way, the furniture itself has some some amount of beauty or at least the, it doesn't clash and it doesn't look like the cat just ripped it to shreds or mm. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's it's why why I would say in some ways I have a a problem and and forgive me all of those of you out there that I'm describing your youth room, but why I have the problem of the youth room, chocked full of of everybody's throwaway couch from from the church right yeah. like oh we're we're getting rid of our couch because you know the dog peed on it 15 times and we we you know the kids like spilled chocolate milk on it and uh, and the cat you know scratched up the arms and, and you know what we're done with it let's give it to the youth group and right. then we're just going to take it and we're going to throw it in the youth room and the youth room is filled with six of these couches that are all ugly and disgusting but we're like yeah it's the youth they don't care well maybe we should care about that yeah. uh, and maybe maybe this is like to sh- and it, and it's a way partly of showing that we're taking this seriously, uh, mm-hmm. we take them seriously, but I also think it's also it's something more than that. It's it transcends even that. Yeah. Um, to get back to that word transcendence that we were using in our last podcast as well, but creating a space that is as is beautiful, I think matters in the sense of of create creating a space where we're going to look for beautiful things or true things yeah. or good things uh, in what we're doing. And, and I guess as I've been exploring these ideas in my own mind, I think partly I'm looking for permission to, to, to really embrace that idea and this desire that I've always had to not just have a junky old youth room um, or that I've had to continue doing our youth group kind of discussion time um, in our, in our, the main sanctuary of our church, like surrounded Mm -hmm. by here's the altar and here's the, here's all these meaningful symbols. And it's a place like bathed in, in, in the prayers of the people. And, uh, Mm -hmm. that we're, we're consistently inviting the presence of God in through communion and all, all that kind of stuff. Like that's not just a preference of mine. That's not, but actually these are real things and that it really does, whether or not our students realize it, 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 those things really do form them in a way, uh, maybe less tangibly, but in a way similar to why we would use a liturgy, for example, yeah. like why we would use evening prayer in youth group, uh, because we believe evening prayer will form them, like saying these same words over and over and praying these prayers in this particular way um, will form them. Uh, by by doing them, I, I also think we could say the same thing of space and of beauty and of um, of that kind of thing. Uh, am, am I way off base here? No, I, I think you're spot on. The when you talk about liturgy, I, I thought immediately of um, of the infamous prayer C in the seventy nine prayer book, the the Star Wars prayer, right? Like the, the one that talks about God of interstellar space. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of goof, especially now it sounds kind of goofy. Um, and, and I think because it was an attempt to be relatable and, and relevant, um, without an appreciation for the beauty of, of language, mm-hmm. um, there is something about beautiful prayers that, that matters. And again, we should be clear. Some people 
some people don't love the flowy language. They don't find it understandable. Um, I don't know. It might be elitist to say we have to train them to appreciate beauty. Um, but if beautiful is a thing, if beauty is a thing and, and it is a hundred percent monopoly of God and it, it points us to God, I, I don't think that's elitist. Mm-hmm. It sounds elitist to a, a 21st century uh, ears and mm-hmm. a heart and mind, uh, but I don't. I don't think it actually. Uh, I should say I'm not sure it's elitist in a bad way because I also yeah. think I think there's, a, I think there's a way. I think there's multiple definitions of elitism, and not all of them are bad. But no, that that may be a rabbit trail we don't need to go down. Yeah. Well, I can think about um, in a an aspect where I am terribly um non-elitist where i'm i'm a bad food eater i don't appreciate good food um but i recognize that as a flaw like like i know my love of like cheap bad food um (laughs) is is a flaw and i recognize that good i mean i like good food when i have good food um but i know that my flavor palette is limited um Mm. and i know that i like I don't look at people who like good food and think that's bad food. I think mm. I know that I'm a food philistine, um, and that and that to use good biblical language. Yeah, to use good biblical language. Like I am, I'm a horrible barbarian who who just eats corn dogs. So um, I don't want to go down that trail too far. But yeah, we should right. But like this is something that it's worth training. Now the hard thing is. For youth, um, yeah. well, you know what? Let me get back to your space thing. I think uh, I think having beautiful space puts your money where your mouth is, mm-hmm. rather because you're going to teach a lesson that says beauty matters, um, and and then you're going to not care about the visual sense of anybody around you, um, or or I'm going to teach them a lesson that they matter and that Jesus matters, that anything matters. Yeah. But but if I do that in a space where I'm saying this doesn't matter, why are they going to believe that anything matters? Does that Right. And yeah. I may be taking I may be torturing that analogy too far, but I think there's something to it. Go ahead, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, maybe. I think there's lots of things that that we receive implicitly mm-hmm. that we couldn't articulate. And I think beauty is one of those things. You know, our rector puts a high premium on um on our bulletins, on getting the bulletins right, on on making sure there aren't mistakes there. Um, he thinks a lot about, um, what he learned in school about the number of characters you can read on a line before you sort of lose your place. Um, I don't know if any of you have read, um, books. Um, I find this actually in some single column Bibles. I was really excited about them, but it's like the lines are too long and it's hard to read. Um, and it's not something you immediately notice, but when it's done well, you do notice it. Or when it's done well, it's easier. Good design, by definition, kind of gets out of the way and just gets you, sort of becomes a great vehicle for that that sort of stuff. Now, design's a little bit different than beauty because beauty's a thing to appreciate. But in both cases... But good design think, should be beautiful. It anyway, should go be. Ahead. Um, in, in both cases, the whole point is that um, that you, you won't, your students won't come into your space and say, this is a beautiful youth group. Or this is a beautiful youth room, but when they're in a space that that communicates beauty well and has beautiful things, um, it can do a lot of good work for them to appreciate beauty. And it's sort of 
becomes the right soil in which a lesson about beauty can grow. Um, and I think a lot of times, like your couch example, the, the response might be, well, that's all we can afford. Um, mm-hmm. And there is sometimes an unfortunate relationship between beauty and expense. Um, and we're really spoiled at All Souls because we've got lots of artists in our community who are willing to do things for us and donate things and donate their time and their talents. Um, and we have been very blessed by that. Um, other places don't have those opportunities. And so I don't want to say like, well, I guess you just have to hire artists. Um, yeah. Well, but actually, I, I, I would push back on that a little bit. Like, I have zero dollars in my budget, essentially. I mean, like, whatever you, however small you feel like your youth budget is at your church, I promise mine is less. Uh, <laughs> and But, you know, I, I think some of it is, um, but perhaps, perhaps what we're saying, why do you have to have a couch, right? If, if it's either yeah. this crappy couch uh, or nothing— why not choose nothing? Uh, and, and could you, could you come up with a few dollars to run to Ikea and get a $20, uh, $20 carpet that looks half decent, right? But it costs you 20 bucks and you put that down and everybody sits on that, uh, or, or buy a few of those, you know, or, or something else, find, figure, have the kids paint the floor and they can sit on the floor that they painted or whatever. Um, but, but I, I, I think it's, like, well, that's all we can afford. That's not good enough for me. Uh, because I, I think if we put some energy and some thought behind it, because, because I do believe, and this, this is what I wanted to say earlier, uh, in response to what you're saying, what we're talking about in a lot of ways is the subtext, right? It like Mm -hmm. get, getting out of this idea that, that the event itself and the things that we do in the event is, is what communicates, Right. Because, yeah, there's some communication that is picked up by the words that we say and the lesson we teach. And, but I think what is said much more is the subtext of everything. When you get down to that lower level and what values are are you communicating by the things that you're doing and the way that you're doing them? Uh, and, yes, we do need to say things. Obviously, I'm not saying that you just right. come to youth group and you just – like get your feels on or whatever, that would be ridiculous. No, you, we do say things, we do teach, but underneath all of those things, there is a subtext of these are the things that we value. These are the things that we think are important. Uh, and, 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 and pointing students to Jesus in and through even, even the subtext, I think makes for a richer experience. Um, not only in youth group, but I, I actually think in all aspects of our life, um, we, we could use to spend more time thinking about the subtext of, of how are, what are we communicating without realizing that we're communicating it? Right. Absolutely. And I think it also bears in mind, or something I think that's important to be said is, look, lots of people have figured out that beauty is a value in ugly settings, um, that, that I don't think much of what we do isn't automatic. And, and there's a difference between like, destructive practices and best practices, right? Yeah. Like, I think there's something to saying. That's good to point out. If, you know, if, if you disagree with us or if you have an ugly youth room, it's not like your kids are going to leave embracing (laughs) ugliness as, as a virtue, right? Like they're not, that's not the case, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be better in the same way that I think, I think liturgy is better than not liturgy. It doesn't mean I don't think God works through not liturgy. I have to say that a lot about people, you know, when I have these little like 
bees in my bonnet about beauty or about space or about like people who print liturgies and they forget to bold something, <laughs> right? Like little things like that, 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 right. Big picture don't matter. There are kids dying at the border or whatever. Um, and, and th this doesn't matter, but it does matter to me. And I have to remind myself like, okay, God uses all kinds of broken ministries and broken processes, many of mine included. There are mm -hmm. all kinds of things that are yeah. broken about how I do ministry. Um, but that doesn't mean that my response to those things is, well, who cares about them? It's, let's put it in perspective. Um, let's, yeah. let's try and look at the way we can incorporate beauty. And maybe that's my encouragement as a like, what shall we do then? I think if we go back to our spaces and say, how can I make this beautiful? Because you know what? We all get it in worship. None of our churches don't care about beauty in worship. Um, mm -hmm. Right. We all, we all recognize it's the value of beautiful worship. Mm -hmm. And I think recognizing beautiful spaces affect on us in community, in fellowship. I mean, even in our living rooms at home, we want them to look nice. We recognize how how different items in our living room affect us and to greater and lesser degrees we're able to make an impact on that mm -hmm. but you know i think that's that's a thing we can try and push towards could we make our spaces more beautiful could we encourage students a little bit more to look for beauty um thinking in terms of trajectory instead of outcome yeah well and i think I actually think in general in all of life, we need to keep that kind of perspective yeah. that so many of the good, like even maturity, it maturity is not a destination. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a direction. Um, and, and as we're forming students, keep keeping in mind that they, just like I did when I was their age, I, I had the rest of the, my life. They have the rest of their lives to learn all the things that they need to learn to be formed into the likeness of Christ. Like I do not, I'm not expecting that when my students graduate high school, that if I have done everything right, they will be like, you know, a, a proto Jesus, you know, that yeah. like that's like, I would love for them to be moving in that direction and to a, yeah. a, embrace the life in Jesus as something that they want to do. Uh, but I think about how formed, how much I have formed as a human and as a Christian you know, in, in the 30, 20 some odd years since I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I need to cut myself some slack. Yeah. Um, that, that what we're doing here is, is we're planting seeds and we're watering seeds and we're chilling earth and we're trying to pull weeds and all mm -hmm. these things that we're doing. It's God that's going to give the growth. Um, and what we're trying to do is figure out effective ways for us to, do those things that we're trying to do. And we all need to probably cut ourselves some slack. Um, certainly as kind of perfectionists do. Sure. And you could overdo it and make your youth group only about beautiful things. Right. And spend so much time on that, that you right. lose all kinds of other very important values. Um, so, okay, let's give, let's be, let's be youth pastors and give some action steps here. Um, so obviously finding ways to, to, to incorporate beautiful things into your space thinking about how to make your space reflect this value of beauty. Um, if you agree with us about beauty being a thing and it being important, if you disagree with us, then don't do any of these because who cares? Um, but, but do go to the Facebook page and tell us why you disagree. Right. Absolutely. Go yell at us. Um, two, I think, I think doing 
incorporating a lesson where you're mining for beauty is really valuable. And I think it speaks to students who are who are regularly in a world where they're consuming so much. Mm. Um, I mean, think about binge watching. It's interesting. YouTube is such my students don't like a lot of the younger ones don't spend all day on Netflix. They spend all day on YouTube and they just watch YouTube right. videos all yep. day. Same um, with my students. And and beauty, especially really great beauty, takes time, takes patience. And I think asking them to do something, in, engage with something really beautiful and say, S- slow down for a second. Um, even like movies, like I, I find in my own life, it's hard to sit down and watch a movie because I don't want to commit the amount of time to watch a movie. I'd much rather watch a TV show or do something that I don't have to pay that much attention to. Um, In this whole conversation, I've been thinking about when I went to see The Tree of Life in theaters, the Terrence Malick film. Um, I don't know it. It is, uh, if you're talking about beauty, it is beautiful. I had a friend who loves film and who loves Terrence Malick tell me about it. And so I went to see it when it was in theaters. It's relatively old, maybe 2010 now. Um, But he had had told me ahead of time, like, it's a little bit strange. It's sort of non-narrative in some ways. It, it sort of, I went in expecting high bar for entry. Um, and so I went in with that expectation and man, there were some parts I'm like, I did not know what's going on here. But I find when I sit down and spend two hours watching that movie, there is something sort of deep and beautiful going on in it um, that sort of stirs my soul in a way that is beautiful. And it is, it is a Christian movie in whatever way you might use that that word. For those of you who have seen it, you might sort of know what I'm talking about. It's not like a Christian movie like God's Not Dead is a Christian movie. It's a Christian mm-hmm. movie in that it it has a sense that it's pointing to God still. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just beautiful. And Malik is an incredible filmmaker. Um, and so I, I don't think my students could handle Tree of Life. It, it is even too high of a bar maybe for for them to to go over although maybe i'm short selling them but saying we're going to watch really a beautiful movie or mm-hmm. we're going to listen to this beautiful thing um one time oh this is we're, we're we're running out of time but i this is another weird thing i did that i remembered the other day um there's a video game that came out a number of years ago called that dragon cancer um the the game was put together by a husband and wife um, whose son uh, got cancer. And it, the son, like, was, I mean, two or three. And he was only supposed to live a little bit of time, and he lived longer. And it's a game that chronicles their experience. And so it's this, it is a beautiful game. Um, it is a powerful game. Um, if you were to play it beginning to end, it takes about two and a half hours. I know this because we did a youth event where we just sat down, and I played through the game, and we all just kind of sat, and we watched the game. Um, and then we talked about it afterwards. So good. Um, and it was, you know, maybe it's unique to my youth group that I think most of them got it and enjoyed it and participated, but it was like many of us were crying through the game. Like it is a beautiful picture. It, their, their son actually did pass away during game development. Right. Like they were developing it. It was a Kickstarter thing. They were doing it while their son was around their son passing away, of course, changes how they're going to end the game. Um, but it, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. Um, it was really powerful 
Yeah. And I, you know, we knew what we were getting into. We sort of prepped for the evening. It wasn't sprung on them. We had to extend youth group by a little bit. But asking them to do that, having them get on board with it, having a conversation afterwards, coming in with that inquisitive posture, I think really opens them up then to find God in beautiful places when they leave because you've already practiced it and modeled it for them. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard a podcast episode about that game. Um, not, it, it, but not from a, po- it's like, it was, it was literally like, it was like radio lab or somebody oh, that yeah. did a profile on the, and it was, so not the kind of, uh, uh, podcast that you would expect would do, would do a, a an episode on a Christian video game. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were unsure. I remember like they were, unsure how to talk about the faith elements of this game sure uh because they weren't a faith-based podcast again for lack of a better term um are we a faith-based podcast well i think so probably (laughs) i hope so yeah i i would i would think so anyway uh man like as with all of the like really deep things like this i feel like we're just scratching the surface and um there would be so much more to talk about, but we do have to end our podcast at some point. So I'm going to go ahead and end it now. And uh, I thought the um, the prayer that I that I prayed at the end of the last um, episode was so appropriate for this kind of uh, topic. I thought I would just pray the same one again because we believe that uh, repeating um, beautiful prayers and liturgies like this does form us. So there we go. Uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, Once again, this is prayer number 83 from the 2019 uh, BCP on page 670. Almighty God, you alone gave us the breath of life, and you alone can keep alive in us the holy desires you impart. We beseech you for your compassion's sake to sanctify all our thoughts and endeavors, that we may neither begin an action without a pure intention nor continue it without your blessing. And grant that, having the eyes of our mind enlightened to behold things invisible and unseen, we may in heart be inspired by your wisdom, in work be upheld by your strength, and in the end be accepted as your faithful servants. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends.